Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. Harry Poulton, ship is indemnity. Johnny, how soon can you get to Buffalo? Six hours by train. Take a plane. All right, I'll take a plane. Why? So you can get on this case while it's still hot. Get on what case, Harry? Atlantic Central Railway. Some guys knocked over one of their boxcars last night and heisted half the load. They carry a blanket policy on all their freight, so get going. Yes, sir, Mr. Polden, right away. And watch your expense account. Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Harry Polden, Shippers Indemnity, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an account of expenditures incurred during investigation of Atlantic Central Railway's claim regarding missing freight or the story of the 1008. Expense account item, transportation, plane fare, Hartford to Buffalo, $48.16, plus cab fare, $6.35, to the main offices of the Atlantic Central Railway, where a tall, heavy-set man in a dusty blue serge pulled a cold cigar from the side of his mouth and spun a swivel chair in my direction. I'm Eve Grimm's, Dollar. Sit down. Now, let me close this door. Well, you didn't take long getting him. I wasn't very far away. I'm the cinder bull for this outfit, and I'd be doing what you're going to do if it was like the old days. Only Shipper's Indemnity handles the insurance, and it's our job now. That's the service you pay for, Mr. Grimm. Uh. When they stuck me in this desk, I'd been knocking deadheads around for 20 years and seeing they got themselves 30 days on the road, gang. Now I'm just... I guess they figure I'm too old. Well, maybe you can give me a hand on this. Well, I'd like to, John. I need some action. You want to tell me about it, Mr. Grimm? You bet. Atlantic Central hustled six gully jumpers a day up to Rochester. Five hours after the 1008 leaves here last night, she jerks up at Batavia so the clowns can water her down. That's when the Donegan notices one of her brownies is busted open and half the jig is gone. So, right away, he wang-doodles a copper buster up the line. Uh, are you getting this? I think so. Translated, you mean the brakeman at Batavia found the boxcar had been broken into and half the cargo stolen, and he phoned ahead to the telegraph office. That's it. 
All sorts of stuff on the car. Don't know what all's gone yet. It was a makeup, any kind of freight, you know. I got the poodles over in the bullpen looking up the invoices to see exactly what's missing. It'll take a while. Good, that'll help. Who is in charge of the loading here? Andy Matson. Been with us 13 years. He inspected it and sealed it down himself. I talked to him already, but call him in if you like. Well, I might want to see him later. What about the brakeman in Batavia? A gandy dancer, Skeeter Minkowski. Nah, he couldn't have done it. That highball only lingered there long enough to get water. Can't unload a brownie in three minutes. Take more like three hours. What other stops did she make? One. Six minutes at the junction, 15 miles outside of here, waiting for a hotshot passenger to get by. And all in all, the train stopped ten minutes at the most, huh? Not long enough to unload a kitty car. An uh, engineer named Aropa claims he spotted a dame in a red dress hanging around the yards yesterday afternoon. And the boys at the roundhouse say the same dame was in asking questions about trains leaving. Said she was from a newspaper. She give a name? Ruth Smith. I checked. No newspaper in town got any Ruth Smith working for him. Well, she's our tipster. Let's get somebody out to look for her. Already got somebody out doing that. Good. Now, uh, along the route up to Rochester, between here and Batavia, there, there must be a highway running parallel to the track somewhere, huh? And whoever cracked into that boxcar had to get aboard at the junction, then toss the stuff from the moving train and jump off somewhere this side of Batavia. And there had to be a truck following along on the road to pick up the stuff in the dark. You been out there yet, Mr. Grimms? No. Kind of thought I'd wait around and see what sort of bulwarkers the insurance companies are turning out these days. I like you, Johnny. You're all right. You figured how it was done fast. Other guys that are hemmed and hawed around asking train crews questions I already asked. Well, what's next? Find out who did it. <laughs> kind of frisky, ain't you? I like that, too. Hey, um, have you got a car I can borrow, Mr. Grimms? I got a Jeep and a chauffeur to go with it. Who's the chauffeur? Me. You said you might want me to help you. I bought the thing from Army Surplus. I want to see if I got a bargain. Expense account item, $4.38 for gasoline, which went into a Jeep that Eve Grimms and I used to follow the lonely stretch of old road that ran parallel to the Atlantic Central Railroad tracks. Two miles beyond the junction, we found heavy-duty tire marks which could have been made by a truck which could have left the road, then driven over the flats as far as the embankment to pick up freight which could have been thrown from the moving train. Following the right-of-way, we found several such tire marks at several points turning off the road, but no building nearby. Finally, at one place, we found an unpainted shanty that stood barren and lonely against the sky. It belonged to a man named Bogatus. Big truck! You're dang right I did, mister. You're dang boodly doodle right. Woke me up, I did. Well, what did the truck look like? Eh? Uh, Do you remember what the truck looked like? Yellow. Yellow it was. All yellow. Seen it plain, even though it was night. You happen to notice the license number? You kidding, sonny. All right, forget it. But you happen to notice any lettering on the truck, Mr. Bogarda? Don't read. Never learned. Never believed in it. Nope. Well. Don't make no difference, though. It wasn't nothing writ on it anyhow. Oh. The trucks usually got printing on them. Dang things making all that noise. Grunting and heaving and waking a man out of his sleep. Ain't had nothing like that since the Army maneuvered here in 41. No, sir. Are you going to stop it? Well, I hope so. Good. Did you happen to see who was driving the truck? Nope. Do you know about what time it was here? Nope. Did you happen to say anything to the nope. man? Nope. Well, do you know in which direction it went from yep. here? Yep. Huh? They turned around and headed back for Buffalo. Would you 
which is exactly what we did, back to Buffalo, where we began to look with the help of the police for a big yellow truck with no lettering on it. We tried garages, trucking concerns, and any place big enough to hide such a truck. It wasn't an easy job, but it turned up. Hello? Hello, Tom. I got a yellow truck all loaded down with stolen freight. What? Yeah. Meet you over at the West End Viaduct. Highway Patrol just found it. Good. Only one thing. It's wrecked. Passing motorist had a flat tire right here. He got out of his car to fix a flat and saw here where it tumbled down. Good tumble. Must be 30 feet anyhow. Yeah, they're trying to get the driver out of the cab now. He may still be alive. They're using acetylene torches. Ten minutes later, the ambulance crew dragged the driver out of the twisted cab. The interns worked on him for a short time, and one of them straightened up, handed me a billfold. Well, here you are. His name's Blakey. Blakey. Rick's Blakey. Mm-hmm. For the moment, he won't live another five minutes. Fractured skull, neck broken. If you've got any questions to ask, you better hurry. Thank you. Blakey. Blakey, listen to me. Listen, you haven't got long. We know this is all stolen cargo in your truck. And we want to know who worked with you. Jake. Get Jake. Jake? Jake who? Jake. Jake slugged me. Put it in gear and rolled me over the side of the road. Get him, Mr. Cop. Get him for doing this to me. I stayed around the wrecked truck watching Eve Grimm's crew stacking the cargo. And then I saw something that could have fallen out of Blakey's wallet when the intern handed it to me. It was a card. On one side was printed Horseshoe Bar and Grill. And there was an address underneath it. But on the other side was written, Jake, 8 o'clock Tuesday. He's always there. The horseshoe bar and grill was short on lights and even shorter on drinks. After a couple, I signaled the bartender. Yeah? Another one? Uh-huh. Sure. Dame trouble, pal? I'm here to see Jake. Here's your drink. Even in here tonight? That'll be 50 cents. Jake hangs around here, doesn't he? Look, the minute you walk in, I look at your feet and I say to myself, flatty, gumboots, glim-heeled cop. <laughs> Not city hall type guy, but something else, I say. Something different that uh, still spells law. I was asking about a guy named Jake. Something else, I say. Maybe private people. Then I say, if he's working, he's got himself a bib. <laughs> and a bib means it don't come out of his pocket when he's around looking for somebody and asking for guys. Will this help? Oh, thanks. Old Abe took a great picture. Uh, what was you asking? About a guy named Jake. Sit tight, Shamus. I'll tip you when he comes in. An hour went by, and about the time I was wondering if I was going to be able to write that five bucks off on the expense account, the bartender slipped out from behind the bar and went through a door in the back marked private. I finished my drink and strolled after him. He was just hanging up the phone as I walked in. Oh, there's a lot of customers waiting to be served out front. Yeah, I want to get right back to... Wait a minute. Yeah? Haven't we got some unfinished business? 
Well, yes and no. I come back here to slip myself a quick smoke and the phone is ringing. You never guess who it is. Jake. What's his last name? How do I know? Across the bar, a guy's just Jake or Sam around. Anyhow, Jake says he ain't coming by tonight. He called you up to tell you that? No, no. You see, Jake says he lost his glasses when he was here last night. He was called to ask if I found them. Did you? Uh, no. But Jake says that uh, if I do find them, I can send them over to the embassy hotel. That's where he is. Room 210. Embassy hotel. Where is that from here? Two blocks north. Thanks. Sure. <laughs> sure, anytime. <laughs> anytime you got an expense account. I walked over to the embassy hotel, and naturally enough, there was no one in room 210 named Jake. As a matter of fact, there was no room 210. But when I stepped outside and started back for the horseshoe bar and grill, a pair of wide shoulders and a coat collar fell on step beside me. He shoved something against my back. Let's you and me kind of turn in here. I... I'd blast you right here and you know it. In the alley. I want you to meet a friend of mine. Jake? How'd you guess? Okay, hold it. Here he is, Jake. A tall, thick figure with an odor of fine cologne around it stepped from the shadows. His hat was down and his collar was up. He stood very close in front of me and asked, Why do you want me? Who are you? I'll ask you first. I... All right. Frisk him, Trench. See who he is. Everything became very quiet then, except for one voice that belonged to a man who had died earlier that day. I kept hearing it. In just a moment, we'll return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first, this Wednesday night and every Wednesday night over most of these same CBS stations, you're invited to hear the Bing Crosby Show. Bing Crosby with the music of John Scott Trotter, the Rhythm Airs, Ken Carpenter, and of course, a top name star each week is his special guest. Here's the show designed for the whole family. A pleasant and diverting mixture of music and merriment guided by the one and only Bing Crosby. Plan now to make Wednesday night Crosby night on your listening schedule. That's the Bing Crosby Show every Wednesday night on CBS. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. I was lying in a dirty alley with my face up against a cold brick wall. And something warm was dripping down the back of my neck. I didn't move. I couldn't. There was a steady ringing in my head. And my body seemed far away. I struggled to my feet and headed for the man who had led me into this. What do you want? <coughs> hey, what's this all about? Look, I've been beaten and slugged and frisked, all because I talked to the wrong guy. I looked for you in the bar. They told me you went home. Now spit it out. Spit what out? Does that remind you of anything? You tipped Jake off that I was looking for him. 
Why? Let go of me. I can't talk like this. If you can breathe, you can talk. Come on. Look, Jake's a steady customer of mine. I gotta treat him right. I've never seen you before in my life. What's Jake's full name? What does he do? And where can I find him? I don't know. You don't know what? Anything about him. Except that he's a big black-haired guy who dresses like a bookie. Flash. He just comes in with some guys and drinks. His name is Jake Samuels. He has a sidekick named Trench. I don't even know his last name. What does Jake do? I don't know. He don't say nothing personal to me. Well, what do you think he does? Maybe he plays the horse's books. How do I know? And you don't know where he lives? Mister, if he owed me a $100 bar bill, I couldn't find his house. It was late and my head hurt and I wanted to lie down somewhere. So I made for the Imperial Hotel Eve Grimes had recommended. I took a shower and polished off the drinks they sent up. And I felt well enough to call Grimms again. But before I lifted the phone, he walked into my room with some interesting information. Sorry you got beat up, Johnny. It's all right. I'm covered with accident insurance, you know. I wish I could help you with this Jake Samuels fella, but... I never heard of him. Thanks anyway, Eve, but I'll I'll run him down sooner or later. I do have something that might help, Johnny. Yeah? We checked all that cargo that was found in the wrecked truck, and I don't know exactly what it means, but everything was there except one barrel. What was that? A barrel. And listen to this. Of all things, a barrel of jeweler's rouge. The stuff they use for gem polishing? That's what an intelligent friend of mine told me. It was insured that... Uh, well, I got it right here. $247. Now, why would anybody want that? Well, who sent it? A jeweler by the name of Ralph Morton. Morton Jewelry Company, 1312 Shenandoah Street. Sent to Michael Adelson, A-D-E-L-S-O-N, 177 Carling Terrace, Boston, Mass. Adelson, huh? Yeah, Adelson or Adelson. Know him, Johnny? Uh, not sure. Something rings a bell. Well, thanks a lot, Grims. I'll have a talk with that jeweler, Ralph Morton, in the morning. In the morning, I rented a small car and started for the Morton Jewelry Company on Shenandoah Street. I found it in the middle of the block, a small, hungry-looking neighborhood jewelry store. But the most interesting thing about it was standing in a doorway across the street from it. A middle-aged man. He was a plant, if ever I saw one. I ignored him and entered the store. There was a small man with thinning brown hair bent over the insides of a watch and a snappy-looking blonde job dusting counters about four paces away. I spoke to the watchmaker. He took out his eye lens and looked up. Yes? Two days ago, you shipped some jeweler's rouge to Michael Adelson in Boston. Yes, I, I did. What about it? Well, it was hijacked out of the freight car yesterday. Oh. <laughs> Clumsy this morning. Hijacked, you say? Stolen. Somebody wanted it pretty bad. They passed up a lot of other stuff more valuable. Well, I... Who are you? Johnny Dollar. Insurance investigator with the Shippers Indemnity Company. Oh, it was insured, of course. Well, you should know. For $247. I'm sorry it was stolen. 
I presume your company will have to pay for it. We don't mind paying if we know what we're paying for. What do you mean by that? Why would anybody want to steal Rouge? I'm sure I don't know. Whoever did it went to a lot of expense and trouble, and they murdered a man for good measure. Andrea! Why must you always be knocking things down? Uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Morton. My hand slipped. Well, be more careful. You say they killed a man, Mr. Dollar? Surely they did not do this over my little shipment of jewelers, Rouge. It sounds stupid, I know, but it was done. Why did you send Rouge all the way to Boston to Michael Adelson when you could buy the same stuff there? Oh, no, you're wrong. This is a private formula I developed myself. I sell it to a number of widely scattered people. They seem to prefer my mixture. Uh-huh. Who is Michael Adelson? A designer of expensive jewelry. His reputation in the field is first class. Well, Mr. Morton... That's all. That's all for today. But I'll be back. All the time I was in there, the blonde, Miss Phillips, kept her blue eyes and her pink ears focused on me. My common sense spoke to my vanity and told it to play dead. She was interested in more than my profile. Outside, I spotted the plant across the street. I thought he was growing in the doorway until I approached him. He ducked clumsily and walked away with such obvious nonchalance that I was tempted to follow him, and I did, to a corner drugstore with a good view of the Morton Jewelry Company. We shared adjoining stools while he cut into a butterscotch sundae. Hey, uh, a little more butterscotch on this, please. It's out the 20 cent special. What do you want for 20 cents? Butterscotch. Mm, okay. Okay, I don't pay for it anyway. What's the job? What's the... Huh? Oh, it's you. Oh, uh, beat it. Yeah, we're both in the same racket. Oh, insurance? Are you working on the Arcadia job, too? No. What's the Arcadia job? What are you working on? A railroad hijack. What's the Arcadia job? Oh, Ben Sanchez is my name. How do you do, Dollar? How do you do? Yeah, I'm working independent. I, I, I don't take divorce cases. In two months, I haven't had a decent job. But I got myself a little old idea. You see, three months ago, a wholesale jewelry house was pried open, see? And 250000 worth of uncut stuff disappeared. And so far, none of it has showed up anywhere. And somebody will pay a lot of money if it's found. Especially an outfit called the Erie Mutual Fidelity. What's Morton's edge on it? Well, I, I could be wrong, but... I've seen that guy operate for a number of years. Here's see? the butterscotch. Yeah. Oh, thanks, thanks. The little jewelry store stuck off in a forgotten part of the city, you know, buys watches for ten bucks and sells them for twelve. Well, lots of guys do that. Yeah, okay. yeah, but they don't own a little old lady $5,000 house in the Longacre section with two new cars in the garage. And you think Morton has the Arcadia jewels? I think he's been a fence for a long time. There hasn't been nothing good to fence since the Arcadia job. He has a record? He has. Say, what'd they steal of his from a railroad car? Just some jeweler's ruse, that's all. Oh, gee, maybe I'm wasting my time. Well, I hope you... Pardon me. The blonde came out of the jewelry store with a coat and hat on and climbed in an automobile parked down the street. I made for my you-drive-it model and followed her. At eight cents a mile, I was out about a buck twenty-five before she shut off a key and coasted into a curb. I went past her around the block, parked the car and sauntered back to the house she had entered. It was just a house, nothing special, a few more bricks, maybe flagstones instead of cement for a walk, 
That was all. I stood looking straight at the house when it turned out I should have been looking straight behind me. Why don't you kind of put your hands behind your neck? That's it. You won't need this heater. Seems to me I've heard that voice before, and it was just as unpleasant. <laughs> now, why don't you kind of walk into the house? I would have been amused to know that I kind of wanted... Sorry. He would have been amused to know that I kind of wanted to get into that house as much as he kind of wanted me, too. We went up the walk arm in arm. He opened the door and graciously allowed me to enter first. The living room was empty, but I could hear voices Don't plainly in the any next of that room. Line. That stuff was worth more than you've ever seen before. Oh, shut up. I took a long time looking for two guys. Oh, what a lousy couple of chiselers I got stuck with. Hey, it's me, Trench. There's nobody you can trust in this world. Hey, it's me. We stood there, Trench beaming and me frowning, and they came into the room. The guy was big, black-haired, and overdressed, the way the bartender had tagged him. It was Jake Samuels, all right, and hanging on his elbow, giving him a hot ear, was the jeweler's dame. Samuels wasn't in too good a frame of mind. I'll blast it all over town, and you won't be able to touch me, because I got protection. Now, will you shut up? I got to talk with a friend. Johnny Dollar, Jake. Yes. Welcome to my house. Just the same, it's too bad you had to come. This isn't exactly the day we're receiving. Well, I work weekends, and this is the only time I could make it. Jake will do the talking. What is it you want to see me about? Last night and the night before. Oh, you mean when we roughed you up? That and the Atlantic Central job and Rick's Blakey, whom you killed at the wheel of his truck. Then there's the little matter of your blonde girlfriend here. I saw her in Morton's jewelry shop. She couldn't possibly be the phony reporter who was hanging around the railroad yards, or uh, could she? Jake, this guy really knows... Shut up, it. shut up. Is that all you can say? Yeah, is that all you can say, shut up? Well, listen shut here. Shut up. I won't. You owe me $45,000. What are you talking in front of him for? What do I care about him? That's your worry. $5,000 for 300000 worth of jewelry. <laughs> Go on now, get out of here. Take what you got and consider it lucky. We took all the risk, now beat it. All right. All right, I'll beat it. When I come back, you're going to wish you were dead, Jake. Go on, you cheap... When she reached the door, she pulled a gun from somewhere, spun, and Trench got both slugs. He dropped groaning to the floor, and I kicked his gun into a corner. Jake Samuels stood frozen to the rug looking at the barrel of the automatic she held. The next one's going to be for you, Jake. You going crazy or something? Put down that gun. Go on. Say shut up to me now. Go on, say it. You yellow toothed woman beater. Andrea, you're making a big mistake. No. Am I going to get my 45000 or not? But I, uh, I don't have that much in the house. Well, then call somebody and get it. Come up with some jewelry. Uh, yes, tomorrow. T tomorrow, I promise. Not I'll... tomorrow. Today, now. Miss Phillips. I'm talking to him. Now don't you get any ideas? Look, there's only one way for you to get out of this, and that's to kill everybody in this room. If you leave me alive, I'll track you down. That's what I get paid for. If you... Ken, the lecture. I know what I'm doing. If you leave Trench or Jake alive, they'll get you, too. You bet we will. Oh, I'm so scared. Come on, Jake. The money. Right now, you've only got a petty crime against you. Do any more, and it'll be murder. You'll last a month, if that long. What are you getting at? 
Give me these two guys. Are you kidding? Turn them over to me and I'll go the limit in helping you. I'll forget the 5000 you got from them. The most you can get is a year in the county. 5000 clear is good dough. What happens to them? They're wanted for murder. I'll say in my report, you turn them over to me. Maybe you won't get anything. Are you level? Of course he isn't, Andrea. I'm as level as a guy can get. Come on. Give me the gun, Miss Phillips. I don't know. It's that or a murder rap. Come on. Stay away from me. It's freedom or murder. Which one do you want? Give me the gun. Yeah. Here, take it. I didn't want to do this anyway for the start. This isn't living. This is... This is dying every day. You're lucky. You found it out in time, Miss Phillips. You know, except for the guy in the gas station, nobody ever called me Miss Phillips. And that polled him is the way it all wound up. I called the police, and they took things in hand. The jewels, of course, were buried in the barrel of the jeweler's rouge, and Miss Phillips, knowing that Morton was unloading them in Boston, sold the information to Jake and friend for $50,000, which she didn't get. The Arcadia Wholesale Company jewels were in the stuff the police picked up. Oh, by the way, you'll notice one item on the expense account, $4.85. That was a gift. A foam rubber seat for Eve Grimm's surplus Jeep. Total expenses, $312. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and was written by E. Jack Newman and John Michael Hayes with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can currently be seen starring in the Harry M. Popkin United Artists production, D.O.A., Featured in our cast were Ted DeCorsia, Pat McGeehan, Harold Durenforth, John Daner, Bill Boucher, Gene Bates, and Clayton Post. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week at this same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien as... Johnny Dollar. The Ambassador Travel Agency calling back, Mr. Dollar. Oh, yeah. Your reservation for Bermuda is just being confirmed. Pan American, flight number 134. You'll leave LaGuardia at 10.30 a.m., arrive at Kindley Field, Bermuda, 2.30 p.m. Got it. We'll send the tickets right over. It's been a pleasure to serve you, sir, and I hope you have an enjoyable stay in Bermuda. Is it a vacation? Well, hardly... I'm going down there to look up a dead man. 
Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Tri-State Life Insurance Company. Attention, Leland Scarf, Chief Adjuster. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Earl Chadwick matter. Expense account item one, $1.80, cab fare to your Hartford office. A man has been seen alive, Dollar. I never was satisfied that he was dead. His boat, a small cruiser, was found wrecked, you know, but never a body. How long ago was that? A little over four years ago, 1945. He was declared dead in 1947 in appellate court, and we were forced to meet the claim of his widow. Or his wife and accomplices, it might seem now. Go ahead. Here's the lady that saw and spoke to him. Mrs. Marshall, this is Mr. Dollar. How do you do? Mrs. Marshall? Now, I want you to tell Mr. Dollar what you told me, Mrs. Marshall, if you will. Well, my husband and I had been in Bermuda for three days. Mrs. Marshall, explain that you knew Earl Chadwick before. Oh, yes, yes, we knew him. Not too well, thank heaven. But well enough to be pointed out as friends of that embezzler. You know how people are. Embezzler, Mrs. Marshall? Oh, yes, there was attendant theft. He worked at the Monticello Loan Company in New York City. $30,000 disappeared at the same time he did. Police theory was that he wrecked his boat while attempting to leave with the money. Uh, now, Mrs. Marshall, how you happened to see him? Uh, we'd been there three days, and that night we went to this nightclub in Hamilton, slumming, so to speak. It's called the Port of Castile on the waterfront. It had been a number of years, mind you, and Chadwick was much thinner, but I recognized him. He was seated with some sailors, and I said, Jerome, doesn't that look like Earl Chadwick? And then you spoke to him. What else could I do? I was dying of curiosity. When he got up to leave, I met him and said, Aren't you Earl Chadwick? He denied it, of course, but being that close, I am positive that it was. What did he say? Did he give you a name? No, no, but I found out. I felt I was quite within my rights in asking a few questions. The name he's using is George Brewster. Well, Dollar? What about Chadwick's wife? What happened to her? She remarried one of his business associates, Harold Anderson. Yeah. I had the girls draw up a complete record on the case. Photographs, police reports, everything you'll need. Uh, the wife's address is there in Queens, I think. All right, Mr. Scarf. I'll do what I can. Expense account item two. $250 plane ticket and miscellaneous expenses between Hartford and Bermuda. I drew an aisle seat and one of the worst hazards of air travel or any other kind of travel. I'll tell you something. It pays to study these places before you go to them. I've been out there before. Nothing teaches like experience. But before my first trip, I knew more about Bermuda than lots of the folks that live there, see? Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, yes, sir. <clears throat> Quite a history. Spoiled now, though. People aren't worth anything anymore. You know what spoiled them? Tourists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, took away all their ambition. Turned them into a bunch of lazy beggars and horse traders. Don't farm anymore. Don't do anything but work the tourists. Now, uh, I don't want to be a wet blanket, you understand? Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, keep an eye on your wallet. They'll strip you if you give them a chance. Uh, my business is farm tools. What's yours?
Yes, sir. My name is Dollar. Here's my credentials. I'd like to see the chief constable. Yes, sir. Yes? Uh, Mr. Dollar to see you, sir, an insurance investigator from the States. Yes, of course, sir. Send him in. Right, sir. At that door, Mr. Dollar. Thank you. Pleasure, Mr. Dollar. Your company cabled that you were coming. Sit down. Thank you. Well, now, uh, you're here to look into the affairs of one George Brewster. What's he been up to? I'm not sure he's been up to anything yet. According to a witness, he answers the description of a man who disappeared from New York a few years ago with $30,000. He was declared dead, and the company that hired me paid off an $80,000 insurance claim to his wife. I see. Quite a valuable chap. Yeah, if he is the chap. Well, what about this Brewster? Do you people know him? We acquainted ourselves with him after the cable arrived. Nothing against him. Lives a rather rum life. Doesn't seem to have much. Are his papers in order? Passport? Visas. I uh, trust that he wouldn't be here if they were not. Like any other paradise, Mr. Dollar, Bermuda is forced to accept the existence of a certain percentage of misplaced or lost persons on its outskirts. That's what they are. They? Here's the address. Thank you. At the lower end of King George Road. Do you wish transportation? No, no, don't bother. The walk will do me good. I decided against the King George Road address. Instead, I returned to my hotel, memorized the photographs of Earl Chadwick, subtracting a little weight from the somewhat flabby face. And that night, I found myself a table near the door at the Port of Castile. I sat there nursing a minimum of foul drinks. It was 10 o'clock before he came in and found standing space at the bar. George Brewster? Hmm? Or Earl Chadwick? What's the matter with you? What is this? I'm curious, too. How about coming over to my table? All right. You act like a cop. Just 50% cop, no badge. I'm working for Tri-State Life Insurance Company. What does that mean? They insured a man and paid off to his wife. Now, now they aren't sure he's dead. He belongs to that other name you threw at me. What was it? Chadwick? Earl Chadwick. And I must look like him. Here's a snapshot. Huh. He's fatter, but it's pretty close at that. You know, about a week ago, some crazy old dame I never saw before called me some other name. It might have been Chadwick. I thought she'd drunk over her quota. She was an old friend of Chadwick's. She swears she'd recognize him if, if she saw him. And she swears she saw him. It's weird, isn't it? I suppose it happens more often than we know about. What do you want? My papers and stuff? They might help. Sure, I'll write down my address. Um, uh, 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 come on out anytime tomorrow. Uh, th there you are. Thank you. I should recover from these drinks by noon. Well, that'll be all right. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Things like this could get your goat. You the guy George was talking about last night? Probably. I'm Johnny Dollar. Is George here? No, he had to leave. 
You said you could come in. You said you could look at this, Chuck. Here's his passport and his cards and things. How long have you known him? Oh, two years last month. Do you know where he came from? Never asked me where I came from. Uh, this guy, he looks like. He had a wife? Yeah. I want to take some of his personal things into town to check his prints against this passport. Shaving brush, if he uses one, tubes, jars, anything. You think he's the guy? I'll have to find out. Never mind. Uh, you told me you were going. The prints would check against the passport, but it wouldn't make any difference. Now that it's started, why stretch it out? Why not make it easy? George? No, Earl. I'd almost forgotten. Earl. Uh, where can we talk? I've got a hotel room. The statement he made filled in most of the blanks in the case. One, his wife was to have met him in Mexico City, but hadn't. Two, most of the stolen funds had gone to his wife to keep her going until she collected the insurance. So she got married. I didn't know that. She told me to wait, and I did. Grace married. We can leave for the States Grace anytime you're Harold. ready. Huh? Oh, I can be ready anytime you say. All I have to do is pack a few things and say goodbye to Fran. Expense account item three. Space for two on New York-bound plane. Chadwick was a hard man to figure out. But one thing I did realize. Now that he'd started, he was almost happy to be going back to the people he'd left. We arrived in the evening, and the next morning, I was told when I telephoned that Mrs. Grace Chadwick Anderson and her husband were at home and would receive me. Oh, good morning. I... Hello, Grace. Harold. I beg your pardon. Oh, I understand, Harold. This must be the man that Mrs. Marshall phoned about, you know, the one in Bermuda. Oh, come now, Grace. That's no good. Who are you, anyway? Mr. Dollar, for what purpose did you and this man come here? I brought him here so you could identify him as your missing husband. That's idiotic. There is the faintest resemblance, yes, but that's all. What, uh, what do you have in mind, Mr. Dollar? Now, no crude extortion attempt like this will get you anything but arrest. I know Earl Chadwick, and I'll swear under oath that this man is not he. I should think you would, Harold. Who are you, and where did you learn my name? Get him out of here. Why? Why not talk over old times, Grace? Wait a minute. All right, Mrs. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. I'm sorry I've taken up your time. Come on. Dollar, what's the matter? You two? Come on. I'm sorry, dear. I know it's been unpleasant for you. Who do you think I am? I ask you, who do you think I am? That doesn't count. You're legally dead. What about your parents? They're dead. But I have friends or people that knew me. They're no good. If your wife won't identify you, they're no good. You worked for a loan company. They must have your prints. I took them from the files and destroyed them when I left. How are your teeth? What? Teeth. Who was your dentist here in town? Dr. Uh, uh, Field. It's been so long. Dr. Homer Field. Uh, 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 Drake, professional building Manhattan. He'll still have your x-rays on file. They're as good as fingerprints. Go there this morning. Don't use your name. Give him your other name, George Brewster. Have a new set of x-rays taken. I'll do the rest. All right. Hold it. Now, look, I don't have to hire somebody to follow you, do I? No. 
Oh, no. Not after I've seen them. You don't have to worry about my going anyplace. Expense account item four, $25 services of a private detective. Assignment, tailing Earl Chadwick and or George Brewster. At one o'clock, he had left the dentist's office and gone to his hotel room. At three, he was still there. And at 4.30, I arrived in the office of Dr. Homer Field. Brewster? Oh, yes, yes, his x-rays have come through. They're on the clamps. Uh, don't, don't touch them, please. Uh, what is your interest? Police identification. Oh, oh yes, yes, well, always happy to cooperate. Thank you. Now, how about digging in your files for the x-rays on a patient named Chadwick? Earl Chadwick. Um, I'd be glad to. Chadwick, 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 Chadwick. Earl M. Chadwick, is that your man? That's the name. Ah, well, 1945. Oh, he should have been in for hygiene. Those pictures, how do they compare with this new set, Brewster? Well, uh, let's have a look. Ah, there's malocclusion, lower bicuspid, impacted third molar. Ah, erosion inlay, very interesting. You mean they're the same in both sets of pictures? Oh, no, 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 definitely not. Oh. But a man's mouth could change since 1945, couldn't it? Oh, yes, yes, it could, especially with neglect, but that would never cause a man to grow new teeth. Now, you see here, uh, Brewster has one more incisor than Chadwick. The whole character of the, the mouth is different, I see, here. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. I see, it's different, all right. Definitely. Why, these two men would not look even faintly alike. <laughs> In just a moment, we will return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first, down the old ox road, learn to croon straight from the shoulder. Milestones in popular American music. Milestones in the career of one of America's favorite troubadours, Bing Crosby. This Wednesday night, over most of these same CBS stations, you're invited to hear the Bing Crosby Show. Bing Crosby with the music of John Scott Trotter, with the rhythm airs with Ken Carpenter. Here's the show designed for the whole family. A pleasant and diverting mixture of music and merriment, guided by the one and only Bing Crosby. Plan now to hear the Bing Crosby Show this Wednesday night on CBS. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs> Look, Dr. Field, these x-rays labeled Earl Chadwick, could they be misfiled? Could they be under the wrong name? Misfiled? No, definitely not. My assistant has been with me for ten years. Never made a mistake yet. Mm. Well, then, could anyone else have gotten in here and planted a different set under that name? But why? I would realize the difference the moment I looked into the mouth. That erosion inlay alone. Yeah, I know. Look, your office, has it been broken into? Yeah, a long time ago, for narcotics. How long ago? Six, seven years ago, during the war. But not since then. I've missed nothing. The janitor, the nightman, does he have a key? Uh, no, no, it's cleaned in the evening, just before I leave. Uh, robbery is out of the question. Hmm. Uh, just what is your problem, Mr. Dollar? Well, if I wanted to plan some x-rays in a file, where could I get some? Mm, well, I never thought of it. But uh... Where would I go? 
Would you give me some? Oh, no, no, definitely not. That would be most unethical, unless, of course, you were a patient of mine and the x-rays were of your own mouth. Oh, thank you, Doctor. I think that's what I wanted to hear you say. Before dark, I made two more stops, searching for something to help me prove that Earl Chadwick was alive, if he was. The Hall of Records had nothing but a couple of certificates on him. One recorded his birth, the other recorded his death. I checked the wanted file at police headquarters. They had checked him out in 47 when the court had pronounced him dead. On my way out of there, I made two phone calls. The second was to the detective I'd hired. Landro, what are you doing in your office? Did you lose him or get tired? He was on to me, Dollar. He got into the crowds at Macy's. I put the houseman at his hotel on it. He's watching his door. I just phoned his room. He's not there. What's he been up to? He left the hotel at 318 and took a cab over to 3rd Avenue. What address? A pawn shop, Johnny. He bought a gun. Nice going, Landro. If you decide to change over to stopping traffic at school crossings, use me as a reference. Where's your husband, Miss Anderson? He's here, but he Come doesn't... Come on, I want to talk to you both. You have no right to... Where is he? What is it, Grace? Oh, it's you again. That's right. He forced his way into the house. Make him get out, Harold. I will if I have to. Now, look here. I don't know what that imposter has told you, and I don't care. If you choose to believe his lies, that's your business. And a sorry business it is. But I will not allow my wife and my home to be upset by his schemes any longer. Are you through? No, not quite. It's obvious to us, if it's not to you, that this man learned of the unexplained details surrounding Earl's death and is attempting to use this vague resemblance to his advantage. Now, extortionists land in prison, Mr. Dollar. And the only reason I haven't turned to the police before this is that we want to escape the notoriety of having past tragedies lived again. He bought a gun this afternoon. That makes him look like the double-crossed husband, doesn't it? Man's a maniac. I'm going to ask for police protection. Where is he? Who? This man. Do you know where he is? When I found out he bought a gun, I was afraid he was coming here to use it. Harold, I can't believe this is happening. Now, Grace, please. Why, why? Why would he harm us? He doesn't know us, and we don't know him. He bought the gun to convince you, Dollar. He knows a lot about you, Anderson. He knows you were Chadwick's immediate superior in the loan company before he disappeared. Harold, it, it couldn't be, could it? Grace. It's been a long time. Maybe some disease could change a person that much. But he would have contacted Grace, me. Grace, Earl is dead. How did this man learn so much about us? As far as I can see, he's made only one mistake. The size of the theft. He says he stole 10,000. According to the record, 30,000 was missing. Of course, it's possible that it isn't a mistake. That somebody in the firm who knew what his plan was picked up the odd 20,000 and put it on Chadwick's account. Mr. Dollar... I have one thing to say to you before you leave. Earl Chadwick is dead. You're so right. And that's what troubles me. A legally dead man running around loose with a gun makes an interesting situation. Did you ever think of that? Who would the police look for? I'm going to my hotel in case you want to phone in your answer. <laughs> Where have you been, Chadwick? Right here. The maid let me in. 
What's the idea? I was scared somebody was following me. I got the feeling they hired somebody to get rid of me. No. Why not? They haven't thought of that yet. Give me the gun. I need it. Come on, where is it? Never mind. Get, get away from me. Come on, where are you carrying it? Hey, you... How did you know I had it? What were you going to do with it? I told you I was scared. You thought I was going to kill them? The idea crossed my mind. <laughs> no. What good would that do? How should I know what's going on in that head of yours? Why'd you come back, then? Just to get things straightened out. You wouldn't have had to. I haven't found a way to prove who you are. Oh, I knew I didn't have to come back. But everything was stagnant. Being George Brewster was dull. I thought that's what I wanted. A new identity, even without grace. But I guess nobody's ever satisfied. And when you have a choice of who you want to be, then it's really hard. Uh, what about the x-rays? No good. The set under Chadwick didn't match the one you had taken today. They had to. They made a switch with somebody else's, probably Anderson's. It's an easy office to enter. Probably hired a cat burglar. Nothing at the Hall of Records, nothing at police headquarters. You're dead. What did the police say? I didn't talk to them. Why should I? The case is closed. You're dead. <laughs> Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Yeah? Landrow, Johnny. Oh, yeah. Sorry I blew up. Forget it. I lost him, didn't I? How is it? Oh, it's a mess. I'm not getting any place. The only proof I can find is proof that he's dead. Maybe he should stay there. Yeah, I'm getting ideas myself. What about his draft board? They take prints. Police checked in 47. They lost. Look, I'm going to have to dummy up something. I don't want you to violate any trade secrets, but do you know a good forger? That depends. It'll be practically legal. All I need is a driver's license. I think that can be managed, Johnny. When? Tonight. It'll cost. Well, I'm working for a wealthy company. Oh, there's more, too, Landro. How about meeting us in your office in 45 minutes? Sure, Johnny. Bring a bottle. Expense account item five, $500, one bogus 1947 driver's license complete with Chadwick's thumbprint. By 10 p.m., we were back in Landro's office. Johnny, how desperate is this, Anderson? Desperate enough to welcome a nice, fast deal. Don't quote a price unless you have to. Just get him down here. Why anybody goes through all this to make prison? <laughs> prison? Come on, Landro, get on the phone. There's the number. You're my client. Mr. Harold Anderson? I'll be blunt. This is blackmail. I'm calling in the interests of Earl Chadwick. No, he isn't. He's alive. But I do have proof. A driver's license he took out just before he disappeared as a sort of a double check on the past. You'll believe it when you see it. It's for sale. He doesn't want to go to prison any more than you do, but he needs money. I said you'd believe it when you saw it. I think it'll be worth a trip over here. We'll talk price then. Uh-uh, we meet here. Number 465 Tight Building, 7th Avenue. It's no bluff. Nobody knows about it. Uh, I'll be alone. He doesn't believe it. When will he be here? He said 45 minutes. Good. Now, don't make the price too high. Set up a meeting with him tomorrow, and we'll have the police here. Well, step forth, Lazarus. Empty the ashtrays, Landro. Looks like three men have been here. 
He arrived at 11.30. Chadwick and I, in an adjoining room with the door cracked, watched his wary entrance. Who are you? The name is on the door. Landro. You work under a license issued by the state of New York. Sometimes, but the license isn't important tonight. You won't make any trouble. Sit down. Well, Landro? Here it is. Uh-uh, just look. Name, a serial number, a date, a signature, and a thumbprint. Where is he? He'll phone me in the morning. Well, where is the man from the insurance company? Looking for Chadwick. He doesn't know about this yet. Why? Why has he waited this long? He didn't know everything that had happened. You and his wife. The money you made on him. What's the price? Well, as he put it to me, it ought to be figured from the 20 grand you took and the advance you've made in the company the last few years. How much? He'd like to start at 15,000. It would take a while. 5,000 tomorrow, say around noon. The other 10 within a week. That's when you get the license. Well, it would have to be later than noon tomorrow, but uh, I brought 1500 with me. That's a deal. All right. I'll give it to you. Hey, watch it. Don't do it. Anderson. Wait, dollar. Landro, down. Landro. I'm all right. Chadwick. 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 Pulse. Pull his collar down. Nothing? Nothing. I don't know what your company can do about it now. Both Mr. and Mrs. Anderson gave statements to the police that same night, confessing their contribution to the original crime. You'll have a hard time prying Harold Anderson loose from the clutches of the state, which is working on a murder indictment for him. About the wife, Grace? I don't know. If she's not found guilty as an accessory, I'd be happy to appear as a witness if she's brought to trial on fraud charges. As for my part in it, I'm not proud of myself, but I was hired to find a dead man. And I finally found one, just before he lived. Expense account total, $1,575.30. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, The Los Angeles Story. Featured in tonight's cast were Lillian Bieff, Walter Burke, Virginia Gregg, John Boehner, Ben Wright, Tudor Owen, and Ted Osborne. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week at this same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of Golden Age Radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show... Please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us.
Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 